Welcome to Level Up Academy, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We are expanding our podcast to business leaders and community experts who are sharing their story and adversity that each one of us experienced to inspire and inform our world. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Hello, Level Up listeners. This is your host, Dr. Leland from Level Up Academy. Thank you for tuning in today. Today, our conversation will be with my guest, Evan McBee. He is an author, a father, a husband, a paramedic, and a veteran. But before we hear our conversation between his experiences in the military and also his journey of where he was he was before until today and his take on how leaders business leaders today could take away from okay now before we move on i wanted to do a shout out on the countries who have listened to level up so far in the past i would say month or maybe even three weeks we are now at 54 countries and nations. So I'm going to name the nations that have been supporting Level Up Academy. Let's start with Afghanistan, Algeria, Australia, Austria, Bahrain, Belgium, Benin, Brazil, Canada, Costa Rica, Czech Republic, Ethiopia, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, India, Indonesia, Iraq, Ireland, Israel, Italy, Jamaica, Japan, Jordan, Korea, that's South Korea, Kuwait, Lebanon, Libya, Mexico, Morocco, Netherlands, New Zealand, Nigeria, Oman, Pakistan, Philippines, Puerto Rico, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Senegal, Singapore, Slovakia, Somalia, South Africa, South Sudan, Spain, Switzerland, Syria, United Arab Emirates, United Kingdom, United States, that is it 54 countries and nations so far so i cannot wait for the next month or so or 2023 on how many more countries who's going to join level up academy and listen to my guests journey and adversity and learn from any type of lesson learned conversations looking forward to all of you listeners out there, shout out and thank you so much for listening and tuning in to Level Up Academy Weekly. Talk to you soon. Here is Evan. Hi, Evan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? 
Good. Welcome to Level Up Academy. I'm super happy that you're here. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? So think of what have you done in the last 20 years of your life? Well, a little bit about myself. Played uh, football in high school. I was defensive tackle and tight end because I really, you know, wasn't talented enough to play any other position, but I was big. So they put me there and I mean, I really loved hitting and that was, you know, it was a good place for me. After that, I finished out my high school career. I ended up getting a certification as a physical trainer and I ended up uh, linking in with a really good gym, Fit Club International in Georgia. Uh, it's a great gym, really focuses on training everyone, no matter where you're at in life. And uh, at the time I was there, they focused on uh, at-risk children and uh, women who were, you know, single moms coming out of an abusive relationship, things like that. And we use fitness as a way for them to kind of gain their strength back, gain their confidence back as a way to teach life skills. And so I was really blessed to get into there right out of high school. So I trained there for a couple of years and uh, helped out with their kids camps over the summer. And then I kind of got uh, this bug to want to do more. I want to do more to help people. If you had asked me when I was a little kid what I wanted to do when I grew up, it was always, I want to help people. I want to save people. I uh, I just didn't know what that looked like. So someone ended up, one of my friends ended up telling me about a uh, job opening up in uh, Fayetteville Fire Department for uh, advanced EMT training. So they would train you up from no medical knowledge to an advanced EMT. So I applied. I was 19 years old. I applied, ended up getting the job. Uh, which was great. And I always thought I was not really cut out for medicine. Uh, I didn't know if I really had the brain for it because my only experience in medicine at the time was, you know, watching the shows where a doctor can like rattle off every little thing in the body. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I got that, but (laughs) I gave it my all. I figured I'd at least give it my best shot try my best to learn. So I ended up graduating top of my class, uh, got my advanced EMT first try through the national board certification and that was pretty cool ended up leaving the fire department uh for personal reasons but i continued working as advanced emt with the football team and other things like that from there i still wanted to do more so my buddy who was in the army at the time was an army ranger he told me about a combat medic position in the army i had fallen in love with medicine at the time and i always wanted to serve and i always wanted to do more so i went walked to the recruiting office and said i want to be a airborne ranger combat medic and the guy looked at me i was like cool sign some papers so right then there i was gone a month later the basic training and i spent four years in the army as a in the 82nd airborne as combat medic attached to the uh, combat engineers just recently got out started college trying to get my bachelor's in human biology so uh, with a gear to go into public health and then i also recently started writing and published my first book Wow. First of all, thank you for your service and your sacrifice. My husband's family is all in the military. One of his granddad had a purple heart. So that's big on his family, especially. I have a lot of faculty that I've hired in the military. And I love teachers who are military because the discipline is so (laughs) amazing. I don't have to worry about you when you say, this is what you got to do, Evan. And you're like, yep, just give me the checklist. And you're just on top of it. And I have to worry about you. I just check out on you to make sure you're okay. You're doing great. You're having fun. But me worrying about you, no. That's that's my experiences with 
military personnel teachers who, you know, who have been in the military. So I love hiring military guys for sure. So thank you for your service. And I appreciate that. Okay. So one thing that I've noticed that's consistent is that a, you want to help out. That's really like your main character that I see. And then B, what I've noticed is that you like sciences, right? Health sciences. I do. I do. Yeah. Those are pretty much my two big passions. Yeah. And then you just threw me a curveball with the the book. So talk to me about that. Uh, yeah. So my dad always encouraged me and my brothers to read growing up. Um, he had a big library downstairs, like six bookshelves, overflowing with books. And he always encouraged us to be uh, lifelong learners and to seek out education for the sake of education. It doesn't always necessarily have to be attached to a goal. Sometimes your goal can just be self-improvement. So read whatever you're interested in. So I grew up reading, uh, really fell in love with reading when I was around 17 years old. And uh, that's also when I kind of figured out that I enjoyed writing too, that uh, my years of reading and kind of developed a lot of stories in my head that I, I wanted to write about. And actually a school project when I was in high school, I had to write a folk tale and uh, ended up writing it and it looked a lot like a children's book. And so my father encouraged me to turn it into a children's book. And when I did, uh, it's kind of turned into a script and actually end up uh, publishing it. But that really kind of set me on the path of wanting to write children's books and write anything really in general. So and not until recently, I decided that I actually want to make it a potential career option. Uh, so I ended up writing a book called The Young Crab's Journey and published it and it's on Amazon. So it's kind of how all that started. Nice. So people can actually purchase it through Kindle or is it a hard copy? It is a hard copy. Um, With it being a children's book, I really wanted it to be kind of like something in the hands the kids could look at. But the whole point of the book is uh, Cornelius follows Cornelius, a crab, and he he goes on a long journey of self-discovery, self-improvement, all to accomplish a goal that he originally thought he couldn't accomplish, so. Wow, that's actually pretty amazing. There's, I like reading books, especially like think about Disney, like Panda, when <laughs> like Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. There's so many things in there. Like I like the hero's journey, right? That's kind of like similar to what I'm doing with the podcast is that people were just regular people. You and I were regular people, right? We're not Einstein. We're not Tesla. We're not any of that. However, it's also super important for people to hear regular people's journey and how their adversity and how they actually got up from whatever adversity that they've been to and what kind of steps did they do. So hoping that other people, regular people like us, could do something the same thing. Now, right, in right. that in that area, what what do you think about leadership in terms of business or in terms of in the military can you see the difference between like leadership and business even in education right now you're going back to school what kind of things that you've learned about that we could benefit from um yeah so when it comes to the differences i've noticed getting back into the civilian side of business versus the military's form of leadership is the military's form of leadership is very experience-based versus oftentimes you can find in civilian leadership it's more just who got the biggest degree who happened to have like the best personality at the time who just so happened to be there for the promotion uh it's more about i should say seeking promotions and less about like leader leading leadership 
it kind of sounds weird, but like in the military, it was all very like you had to go through a proving ground. Um, when you lead, you lead there with your soldiers. So you're right there with them. Um, when we would go out on mission and I would have my combat medics with me and we'd be attached to the combat engineers and go out on mission, I was right there with them. I wouldn't ask them to do anything I wasn't willing to do. I stayed up the long hours after mission, taking care of our guys. I was up early making sure they're ready to step off. Uh, I was, you know, trying to do all this stuff while leading my medics along the path, showing them how to do it, how I did it, how to prepare for it. And then also when things got hard, I had to be the one who wasn't complaining because everybody wants to complain. Um, but even though I wasn't the best at everything, even though I wasn't the most knowledgeable at everything, I could keep my mouth shut and at least put one foot in front of the other, which would encourage everybody else behind me to do the same. So... Yeah, I I agree. I think um I think that's the reason why we are in trouble <laughs> because people go by popularity rather than skills, right? Mm-hmm. And when you go by popularity, just because the person is popular doesn't mean they can do the job. And that's what you see a lot in organizations. There's actually a recent study, I wish I could find the link on it. It was on LinkedIn I saw from Harvard. In terms of, I think there were like over a hundred business leaders that they actually like surveyed and tested and all that. And the results was slightly, just slightly different. But women actually were better business leaders than men. Hmm. But yet there are more men business leaders than women, right? So it's just kind of crazy how that goes. Now, if you were to lead a team right now, regardless of industry, doesn't matter which industry it is. It could be in health sciences because that's where you're really at. And right now, healthcare, as you already know, is exhausted. (laughs) It's been almost three years, right? I have a lot of students actually whose major is medical, uh, medical coding, medical billing, and they switch their degree to business. Mm -hmm. And they basically said, you know, I think I'm better off in business. I said, okay, First of all, you need to know your goal, like your intent, not your emotional state, right? (laughs) Because if we always think that the the grass is greener on the other side until we're on the other side, right? And sometimes it is, (laughs) um, but sometimes it's not. Like, what are your thoughts on how would you lead differently in business today? Uh, So I would lead differently is I would love... Uh, to impart on anyone who I had the pleasure of working with and leading that the fact that something is difficult is never a good reason to not do something, right? And oftentimes it could be the reason to do something. So don't shy away from something because it's difficult. But also I would seek to show that you don't have to be the best at what you do. You don't have to be the smartest at what you do. You don't have to be the, you know, the biggest, strongest, fastest, whatever, to be worthy of being a member of a team or to be the leader, right? You have to just take what skills you have, utilize them in the best way you possibly can to help the group as a whole. And then that's how we all get forward. So that's probably the type of leadership style I would try to bring into any group I was in was let's all figure out what we're good at. Let's figure out how to best utilize it for the betterment of the team and personal growth. And let's not shy away from challenges. Mm. Yeah. And I I also like the fact that you said two things that I really like is that you go by the skills as far as leadership. 
and also be that you're willing to go get dirty with a team, right? If you if you're gonna have to stay up until midnight to finish a project, you better be there. You better not be watching and binging Netflix while your team is sweating bullets, right? Yeah, Just to exactly. finish it up. And I think a lot of leaders don't do that, right? Especially right now, it's remote. So I'll be like, hey, Evan, here's a project. It's gonna be due tomorrow, you know? And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, what are you doing? I'm like, taking a nap, Evan. <laughs> like, so that's actually pretty good that you're willing to do it. And I think some business leaders today, it's so different. Military people are so different when it comes to in business. And I love that you guys actually have that train of thoughts. But I also see that some military personnel, because they're so used to hierarchy, right, chain of command, that if they're so high, I had master chiefs in my class in the Navy. And if they're so high on that, chain of command, they have a hard time being ordered around in the corporate world. How do you manage to transition? Yeah, I mean, I think it really it boils down to, I mean, a leader is, it has to first be a follower, right? Um, you can't learn to lead if you don't know how to follow. So there's a level of humility that has to go into it. And uh, along with a common military phrase for leadership is leaders eat last. There's the idea of uh, sacrificial. I mean, you're, you're a sacrificial leader, right? You don't just point and say, go here. There's a level of uh, putting yourself on the line. And I think if you can maintain that level of humility, that level of I don't know everything, and it's more important to be a cohesive member of a team than it is to be the top dog, then it's a little bit easier to maintain that level of, okay, I can still take commands. I mean, nobody's perfect. Everybody forms a little bit of that chip on the shoulder of on the, on the top of the top. You know, I, I paid my dues. I'm here. I have all this life experience. You know, who are you to tell me what to do? Maybe I know how to do it better. Everybody, I feel like can fall into that trap, but I feel like it's really important to prevent that to try to stay humble remember where you started uh remember that you don't have it all figured out and to be willing to take direction mm. yeah willing to take directions i've seen someone not from my class but another's class where the approach like the approach is so different right a lot especially today your words weighs like a ton to some people it's the way you approach people and the way you order them around it's not like you're in the military anymore mm -hmm. I feel like it's more of a totalitarian but I feel like also that I've seen in my class is that when you're in the military they just have this thing they click when they have certain words that they say and I feel like everyone's just paying attention like especially if they're on that chain of command I'm like what is happening right now like <laughs> why is everyone like talking to each other in this corner you know and they're mm -hmm. like oh we're not doing anything Dr. Lee I'm like mm -hmm, I can see right <laughs> like I'm blind but not that blind but I like that the, the brotherhood is strong when you're in the military you kind of understand how do we transfer that to civilian world like what are your thoughts on that how do you think we could use that and extrapolate some of that inherent brotherhood 
to the corporate world. Like everyone, okay, first first of all, some most women, I don't say all women, but most women would want to do better. But I feel like there's still this cattiness that's happening. There's mm-hmm. less mentorship, whereas men, they have a lot of mentorship. And I had a Cisco program manager actually literally said on the radio, said, hey, I apply for the job I know I'm not qualified for, but I applied for it and I got the job. See, women, we we need to be at 90% on that list for us to be comfortable to even apply and think about applying for that mm-hmm. job. Such a big difference. But for you, like, how do you transition and to get that brotherhood to the corporate world and kind of see that because most people are not exposed. They don't understand the culture within the military, right? And also there's subcultures within the military, like little niches. So how do you transfer that strong bond to create a team in the corporate world? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Man, that's a great question. And uh, one that I've actually talked about um, at length, my friends, um, as we tried to figure out how would we bring that with us uh, as we left the military and something you find in the military from the very first day of basic training throughout your career is the military does a really good job of creating a healthy us versus them mentality of when the big us versus them it's us versus any enemy country that would seek to harm american ideals or the freedom of other countries right we That's the big us versus them. And it creates a strong sense of uh, grounding and community with the nation you protect. And then to boil it way down, it goes from us versus them from unit to unit, right? So I was part of 37th BEB, part of 2nd Brigade, 82nd Airborne Division. And any other unit within the 2nd Brigade, we're like, hey, we're better, right? We're the engineers. We're better than you. So we have that camaraderie there. But then if, you know, some other brigade comes by, all of a sudden, hey, we're the best brigade there is, right? The same unit you were just saying you're better than you're now brothers with because it's like, hey. So I think it's this whole idea of the us versus them mentality. So establishing that in a healthy way to where you're not um, segregating or stereotyping anything, but it can be a healthy us versus them. So the us versus them would just be us as a team accomplishing a challenge or accomplishing a mission. And then it also has to deal with realizing that you have each other's back. I'm not going to step over you to uh, achieve some promotion. I'm not going to step over you to, uh, oh, well, I want my name at the head of this. So when the higher ups see this, I have more likelihood of being promoted than you, right? That doesn't matter. What really matters is us working together to achieve a goal. So I knew everybody in my unit had my back. Uh, No matter what happened, right? I could completely fumble the ball, completely mess up. And some sergeant major comes knocking on the door and nobody in my unit is going to give me up. Even though we're all going to get punished for it, nobody would give up my name. It was we take the punishment as a unit. Right. And then, of course, I go around and, you know, make my apologies and do whatever I had to do to the unit, you know, uh, for taking that for me. But there's just this level of, you know, we're going to face troubles together because I'm not going to give you up kind of thing that I think fosters this level of. Um, camaraderie and brotherhood that's stronger than anything else you see and I think if we could bring that in kind of peel back the American mentality of I need to be the one up front otherwise I'm never going to achieve that American dream and instead be like hey how can I help everyone around me how can I have their back and them have my back so we can achieve an mission together yeah that's so ideal like my my mind is running a thousand miles an hour right now trying to like 
like you know when you have lemon and you want lemonade and it's really bitter and you're like okay i need sugar but i'm gonna <laughs> squeeze all of that right i feel like that's what i'm thinking like how do you extrapolate that camaraderie that experience into the into the uh, corporate world because i think it's really hard for people who's not in the military to really understand what's that like when they haven't been there like oh i know what that's like no you don't right it's <laughs> different when, once you're in there so i think you and your buddy has um, a, a long ways to go and i would love i think you could definitely write a book on it and come back to my podcast and really <laughs> talk about like how do you extrapolate that in steps where we take actions and take that transferable skills to the corporate world. Cause I think we would definitely be in a better world. Cause right now I feel like the corporate world itself is very greedy. That's why we're in this in trouble as a country because everyone wants to make a thousand percent, 2000, 3000%. And they wanted to go to China to give all of what the, you know, technology and everything else so that they can actually do manufacturing at, 20 cents when they can sell it for a thousand here in America, right? Mm. It's called greed. And it's not really for America, quite honestly. It's for the pockets of the people who own those businesses, right? And that's mm. the corporate world. And, and, and then their excuse is, well, we're a consumer country where, you know, we're capitalist, right? But where does that get us today? We're, now we're on war. Like, really? Why? Leave it alone. Like, you know what I mean? Now we're doing Ukraine and Russia, but then now you're going to be doing China and Taiwan. Like, seriously, stop. Where does it stop? And I think it starts from that thought of us versus them, but also in a healthy way, right? Not to the point where you don't have each other's back and everyone's a whistleblower. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to deal with that. My daughter actually said, and she's like, mom, so-and-so made me feel this way. And I'm like, well, did you tell a teacher? She's like, no, I would never. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, I don't want to be a snitch. I was like, what? You know what I mean? Like she had that mentality with her yeah. classmates. Like they hate each other, but they were not going to tell each other if they're in trouble. I had to pause for a minute and I'm like, oh, at least she knows loyalty, right? I mean, yeah. that's yeah. handling it at the lowest level. You know, don't immediately jump up to the top. Yeah, and at least she knows loyalty. And I mean, I couldn't say anything else because then I'd be teaching her to like snitch on people. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do that either. But for you, when you're writing the book right now, what what do you want to people from Level Up who's listening to get to know you and what you can add value to to the world? Well, I guess if I wanted them to know anything about me, is that. Uh... I mean, I've already kind of mentioned it here is that, uh, I mean, struggle is good. Struggle isn't bad. Uh, we shouldn't be conflict adverse. Um, we should instead be willing to face challenges and realizing that you grow through them, you improve through them. You have something to offer through them. Uh, me going through a struggle, I can now help someone else who's going through a struggle, even if it's not 100% identical. I can at least offer some advice. I can at least be a listening ear, a helping hand. I can be a shoulder to cry on. I can be someone to pick you up and carry you the last few feet uh, and vice versa. So I think if I want anyone to uh, to know something, if I could encourage anyone with anything, it's that uh, I know a lot of things I've said have been really big ideals. And I think a lot of times, a lot of these ideas aren't original to me. And I feel like a lot of times we haven't seen these being acted in the world because there ends up being like a people issue, right? It's not 
there's not one single thing we can point at in the system and be like, you're the reason why everything's going wrong. I mean, people have been trying to do that with capitalism, socialism, communism. It all boils down to a people issue, right? I mean, I feel like capitalism is healthy. It's a healthy form of challenge that produces growth and strengthens the economy. But as you pointed out, when taken to its extreme through greed, we end up seeing the reverse of that. We end up seeing destruction. So where do we solve this issue? And it really boils down to you as the individual. Are you going to be better despite the person next to you? Are you willing to make the hard call and to improve self-discipline and to improve your own character for the sake of those around you, even though they may not be doing that for you? And if we all have that mentality of, I want to be a better person for the betterment of my brother, my sister, those around me, without expecting any type of reward, then we can start seeing more of the positive changes take place. And it is a struggle and it is hard, but it's worth doing. I like that. And also it's the key word that I'm latching on is expectations. I feel like people expect others if they give, then they have to receive, right? It's just that mm -hmm. expectations. And I hate that. Or if you're giving something to someone, you have certain expectations. How do we even avoid expectations? So it doesn't like harden us up like for example okay i'm gonna give you an example one of my girlfriend really her husband uh is in the military they moved to germany they come back and then now they're i think in japan and then they come back again so you know in military they move around around the world mm -hmm. and her husband they've been married for 15 years now her husband couldn't afford anything luxury because you know military didn't make that much money and they have two kids and stuff but then she ended up they're staying in i think in alaska now um and she basically ended up having her own business it's doing well and she doesn't want to spend the money but she really wants this purse for her birthday right hmm. and it's like two thousand dollars okay and so her husband asked me and he's like hey cj you know so and so wanted to get what do you know like you and your, my wife were talking about the other day like i wanted to know i'm like John, you don't want to know how much the purse was. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 I really do. I'm, I'm, I, I want to know. I'm like, it was like two grand. So plus tax is probably like 2,500. And he's like, I have a month and a half. I, I will buy it for her. Right. And I was like, okay. So he had work overtime, like mm -hmm. every day and his wife to the point where she's like, why are you working overtime so much? Like, what are you <laughs> trying to buy? You know, cause he's into fishing. Mm. So she thought, oh, it's going to buy fishing gear. Cause it's like, <laughs> right. Or maybe he's trying to buy a small boat to go ice fishing or something. You know, she thought that. So finally she, he was so excited. He called me and he's like, Hey, I got it online. It's delivered to my work. Look at it. I'm like, oh my God, she's so exciting. She's going to be so excited. So birthday comes. He, he showed it to me. I even told him like how to wrap it and everything and give him ideas. And literally he took a video and I kid you not, he took a video. She came home from work. She saw like the candles and everything. She opened her Louis Vuitton bag and this is her. She wanted this bag for so, forever, like years, right? She opened the gift, and this is her reaction. Oh, wow. Thanks, honey. What do you think his facial reaction? Probably uh, pretty crestfallen. Probably uh, a little disappointed. Oh, no. He wasn't a little. He was pissed. Like, he was yeah. mad. Okay? Yeah. 
And he's like, what do you mean? Thanks, honey. And she's like, well, what do you want me to say? And he's like, oh, and he left. He slammed the door. He left. And she cried to me. She's like, I don't understand why. And I'm like, Lisa, this has been, you know, years. And he's like, oh, my God. And he goes, someone died at work today. My patient died. Mm. And I couldn't bring myself to celebrate my birthday. Like, I, I, you know, she's having a hard time. But he didn't know that. Yeah. He didn't know that his expectation was she's going to be jumping off. He's getting, you know, and mm-hmm. so I called him like, hey, you need to come. And she's like, I'm not coming home for the next five hours. <laughs> like, he was so mad. And I'm like, her patient died. He'd come home. He's like, oh, what? And so, you know, it's that expectations, though, that I've learned that people need to know what a other partner is going through before you mm-hmm. expect about you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. Hopefully, as an individual and as a leader, we don't expect too much from people based on just the business because there's the human side of us that nobody knows what we're going through. You could be smiling right now and your kitchen would be burning with the kids, okay? (laughs) Like, my kids are probably burning my kitchen right now. I mean, right? I mean, seriously. And I think as a for me as a leader, you need to be empathetic to people because we don't we can't assume and we can't expect anything until we're curious. What do you think about that? I mean, I would agree. Yeah. Unspoken expectation is a recipe for future resentment, right? Like uh, the less we communicate, the less we are open to receive what other people are feeling. Right. We're willing to put our expectations on the back burner and come up with a more realistic. Right. There's no way for your friend to know that uh, uh, a friend's husband to know that she had had a patient die that day. But, you know, if he had in the moment been like, all right, hey, this is not the reaction I was expecting. And he had been open with her about his feelings that she could have been open and been like, hey, uh, yeah. I had a patient die today. So they could have been together in a moment. Now, granted, there's that stimulus moment of something happened that he wasn't expecting. Then there's that brief moment in between where you decide what your reaction will be and then the emotional outcome afterwards, right? And that the little brief moment between stimulus and anger is it's really hard to take control of that. But I feel if we if he had practiced that in that moment, then yeah, they could have had a very different outcome of that conversation initially. But yeah, I think it's really is just like as you said, being open to communicate, being open to receive others, people's where they're at, realizing that not everybody's at everybody is where you want them to be uh, in any given moment and being willing to adapt and understand. Yeah. And stay curious. Like, don't just assume that's what's happening. Just be curious. Like, wonder what happened. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what is happening? Um, and when I teach classes too, my students are like, she's always early. Should we leave? And I'm like, I'm glad you guys didn't leave because I had some technical difficulties <laughs> happening here. I don't know what's happening. But my last question to you is that the Dalai Lama, actually, His Holiness, I had a, he had an interview that I was in, and um, I watched the, the video, actually, and he said, you know, at the end of the day, we're all brothers and sisters, regardless of the color of the skin, culture, it doesn't matter, but we need to show compassion to one another. How do you show compassion to your community? Um, that's a great question. I completely agree with His Holiness. You know, one of the golden rules, you know, you get taught as a child, right? Treat others as you want to be treated. How to show compassion to community, I think, is uh, one, don't be selfish with yourself, right? Don't, everybody has something to give. Everybody is here for a reason. Everybody has something to offer. So don't, don't be selfish with what you've been given, right? Be willing to go out and 
improve the community however you can and to realize that while we all have differences i mean let's be real we're all different people each one of us is different but differences don't make us lesser they don't make us worse it's actually a gift if we were all the same that'd be really lame so the fact that we're we're all different is is amazing so don't let those differences keep you from being willing to offer what you have if that makes any sense just go out there and do what you can with what you have for the people around you yeah helping each other out and where are you by the way right now you're in hawaii right yeah Honolulu, Hawaii. i'm like why am i thinking you're in pennsylvania you're in <laughs> hawaii how is hawaii by the way uh it is fantastic the people are some of the nicest people i've ever met in my life i mean the hawaiian culture is very welcoming very kind uh, it is beautiful. So me and my family, we love to hike. Um, I, my 10 month old son, we have a backpack kind of like a military ruck that you stick him in. So he's been keeping me in shape, hiking up and down these mountains. And, uh, my wife loves to hike as well. So we've been trying to see every beautiful view we can. The beaches are amazing. So yeah, Honolulu is definitely a great place to be. Yeah. Enjoy. I like, I have family in big Island, but I, I, my favorite Island is Lanai. That's my favorite Island. I know Ellis owns it. I love that that island it's so beautiful and like like you said people are super nice and super friendly oh yeah oh yeah definitely yeah. Been my experience yeah well thank you so much for your time today and again thank you for your service and sacrifice thank you thank you for having me on today i've really enjoyed it Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you have any questions, email me at lua at leveluppbydocleland.com. Lua, L-U-A-B-Y-D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D.com. It's open for consultations and courses will be offered soon. I will see you in my next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time.